Tonight on the run and running on empty, Afghans who escaped the Taliban only to be stuck in Pakistan. The struggle to survive and the search for sanctuary. Go to another country, go to a school. The bureaucratic backlog as a crucial deadline looms. FIFA investigates Croatian fans for taunting Canada's goalkeeper. I hope that, you know, the, the right thing is done. As the focus shifts to the match with Morocco. Show that we belong on the stage. Plus, Canadian wildlife on the edge of extinction. We are losing nature faster than we can recover it. The growing list of species under serious threat. CTV National News with Omar Sachadina. Good evening, everyone. Canada and the world promised not to look away. And what many are calling an unfulfilled pledge is where we begin tonight. A humanitarian crisis with Afghans trapped in perpetual agony. Of the three million believed to have fled to neighboring Pakistan, only about half are registered as refugees. The rest are undocumented, living on the margins and under a cloud of uncertainty that's grown more ominous since the Taliban takeover. And the clock is ticking. Pakistan has threatened jail time if they don't renew their visas by the end of the year, adding to the financial burden of those who came with little and now who have even less, not even hope. CTV's Genevieve Beauchemin takes us inside a makeshift camp in Islamabad tonight. Water is a 15-minute walk away. Home, a tent in an Islamabad park. This is my tent and this is hers. This is hers. So different a life from the one these Afghan refugees once lived before the fall of Kabul. Uh, I'm a principal. The principal of a school? Yes. They fled Taliban threats. Now they have nowhere else to go. You're doing good work. And they face a winter with no heat and little food to survive. We hope Canada or another country will find a place for us, says this mom of five. We don't want our children to live like this. And there are young children in every tent here. They are facing multiple challenges in Pakistan. The UNHCR, UN's refugee agency, screens applicants. It says a quarter of a million Afghans have crossed into Pakistan since the summer of 2021, creating a backlog. Processing these cases take, uh, takes a bit of uh, time because we have, uh, we have very limited capacity. We have enhanced our capacity. We hired uh, many staff members and uh, we, are, we, we try our level best to process these cases. But time for these refugees may run out. The government is threatening an end to its amnesty next month. Anyone found on these crowded streets of Pakistan without a visa faces three years in jail. This is one of two tent cities in the heart of Islamabad. Here, 57 families live in these tents, eight, nine, ten to a tent. There's many who are widows, daughters without fathers. The men have been killed often by the Taliban, and that's part of the reason they've come here. Noma Leila was a police officer in Afghanistan. Her husband was killed by a Taliban blast. She fled with her 14-year-old son and her 10-year-old twins. Taliban also killed 18-year-old Alina Mokani's father. Fighters came to knock on her door. The Taliban said, come with me and uh, you married with my, uh, with my another 
people in my country. She escaped with her mother and sisters. Yes, yes, she is a teacher. Packing education certificates, including one from a Canadian program, desperately hoping it will help open doors. A computer. A. B. Every day she turns her tent into a classroom, teaching her young students English. Go to another country, go to school, go to a university, and go to um, a good job. This is my hope, and uh, all people in this. The UNHCR is calling on Pakistan to maintain its amnesty and on the international community, including Canada, to work as fast as possible to process the applications of vulnerable Afghans. Omar. Refugees who continue to endure so much. CTV's Genevieve Boshme in Islamabad tonight. Authorities in China are seeking out protesters who demonstrated over its zero COVID policy. In Ottawa today, the prime minister said their voices should be heard. We're going to continue uh, to ensure uh, that China knows we'll stand up for human rights, we'll stand uh, with people who are expressing themselves. Trudeau's comments follow his testimony Friday about invoking the Emergencies Act to end the Freedom Convoy protests. Also today, confirmation RCMP Commissioner Brenda Lucky and the force she leads are investigating broader foreign actor interference activities, though she did not mention China by name. Lucky made the comment in a letter that was sent to a Commons Committee studying foreign interference in Canadian elections. Team Canada is hoping nothing interferes with victory when they take on Morocco on Thursday in their final World Cup match and their last shot at a win. As players focus on chasing history, an ugly incident involving Croatia fans heckling Canada's goalkeeper is now under new scrutiny by soccer's governing body. Here is CTV's Heather Wright from Doha. The behavior of some Croatian fans is now under investigation by FIFA after goalkeeper Milan Borian was taunted in the stadium. He says his number was also leaked, leading to thousands of abusive text messages, all because of his Serbian roots. Borian's family left their hometown in 1995 when it was taken by Croatia during the War of Independence. We kind of knew what he was going to go through in that game and unfortunately there are some discriminatory things that happened in that in that game towards him and I hope that you know the the right thing is done. Canada Soccer said it wrote a formal letter to FIFA registering displeasure and disgust at an offensive banner fans were holding and asking for a full explanation as to how these props and actions were permitted in the stadium and how FIFA will address this matter. Canada was back on the training pitch today after a day off, getting ready for their last match of the tournament against Morocco. People always remember the last game that you played the most, and so, of course, we're looking for that first win. Um, and we know what's at stake. We know Morocco is, is in the fight still. The team's hopes go beyond playing spoiler, still searching for their first World Cup win after Alfonso Davies scored their first goal on Sunday. I looked to my left and I just saw my teammates running towards me. And uh, yeah, it was a great feeling. We've waited for this moment for, you know, for a long time and, and uh, it finally came and we're, we're happy. Davey says his mom's reaction after the game summed up how big this moment was for his family. My mom teared up a little bit, you know, seeing, seeing her, her son, you know, coming from a refugee camp, coming to Canada and being able to score on the world's biggest stage, you know, she'll, they're all proud of me. One last chance on Thursday for this team to make more history.
As for the investigation, FIFA says it's looking into whether rules surrounding discrimination and security were broken. There's no timeline on a decision, but any penalty would likely be a fine against the Croatian Football Federation. Omar. All right, Heather Wright in Doha tonight. The World Cup can often pit political rivals against each other, amplifying the rivalry on the soccer pitch. And today, Iran and the United States faced off in a high-stakes showdown. Saw the run of Dest, and there he is, and Pulisic's in there! U.S. star player Christian Pulisic scored a dramatic goal in a narrow 1-0 victory. While fans went crazy, Pulisic was actually taken to hospital for an abdominal injury he suffered on the play, but appears to be good to go for the round of 16. And fans in Senegal erupted with elation after their team's thrilling 2-1 win, becoming the first African nation through to the knockout stage of this year's tournament. And live coverage of Canada's final game of the World Cup against Morocco will be available exclusively on CTV and all TSN platforms on Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. Next week, Canada welcomes the world to a U.N. summit on protecting nature and stopping the loss of biodiversity. Now, just ahead of that meeting, there's a troubling new outlook that indicates up to 20 percent of Canada's plants, animals and fish are at risk of being eliminated. Here's CTV's Melanie Neji on the threat. Canada is known for its vast wildlife. But that rich biodiversity is increasingly under threat. According to a new report, thousands of plants, insects and animals are now at some risk of extinction. Extinction is a very chilling word. Once something is gone, it is gone forever. In Ottawa today, the federal government was joined by conservation groups. Together, they released a sweeping update on the status of over 50,000 species. The report lays bare some brutal truths. In Canada, we are losing nature faster than we can recover it. The study was conducted by Canadian researchers. Along with cataloging wildlife, they identified 2,253 species as a conservation concern. Of those, 873 are considered on the verge of being wiped out. BC's Vancouver Island marmot, which only exists in Canada, is one of the struggling species. Despite rescue attempts, the report says it could disappear for good. The future status of those species um, whether they are to persist or not, really is, is solely up to us. Also declining are hundreds of bugs and plants, including the false daisy. There are a lot of different species that we don't really think about. Beetles, leeches, strange mushroom things uh, that also face all kinds of threats. While the report doesn't list specific threats, conservationists have long pointed to climate change and habitat destruction as a driving force in extinction. When we uh, mine their habitat, when we log their habitat, when we pollute their habitat, they're unable to survive. Next week in Montreal, biodiversity in Canada and around the world will take centre stage at a UN conference which will focus on finding ways to stop wildlife extinction. Omar? A significant challenge. All right, Melanie, thank you for this tonight. A major Canadian bank is making a massive withdrawal to buy one of its competitors. Royal Bank of Canada has agreed to buy HSBC Canada for $13.5 billion, the largest domestic banking deal ever. CTV's John Vanavelli Rao on what it could mean for consumers.
We are the bank of your idea. With the nation's biggest bank making a play to get even bigger, the purchase is not sitting well with those who think there's already too little competition in the banking industry. Canadians have a right to be very wary and skeptical about what this um, acquisition might mean for them. The deal would see RBC swallow up HSBC's Canadian arm, which has 130 branches and 780,000 customers. At HSBC, we know your world. Some analysts think the bank's presence globally and in Hong Kong makes the buy a good one for RBC at a time when Canada plans to increase immigration to half a million a year. In a statement, RBC's chief executive says the deal positions us as the bank of choice for commercial clients with international needs, newcomers to Canada, and affluent clients who need global banking. We love the deal. We think this is a great way for RBC to consolidate uh, its power in the Canadian market. It's one of the top banks in North America. Based in London, HSBC has been looking to shift away from North America and focus on the Asian market in the hopes of boosting returns. RBC expects to reduce costs at HSBC, potentially cutting jobs and closing branches. This all comes at a time when Ottawa has launched a review of the nation's competition laws, following, among other things, the proposed merger of Rogers and Shaw. It's a difficult moment to assess what's going on with this and, and what will be politically palatable. Canada's banking regulator and the Competition Bureau will review the deal, one the NDP is also looking at. Is this going to hurt Canadians? Is this going to hurt competition? Is this going to lessen opportunities for, for diverse choices for Canadians? Still, with HSBC accounting for just 2% of Canadian deposits and mortgages, some analysts say they'd be surprised if the regulator blocked the purchase. Omar. All right, John, thanks. And the Bank of Canada made some history of its own today. For the first time since it was founded 87 years ago, the bank posted a loss, $522 million in the third quarter. The central bank has been the victim of its own rate hikes to contain soaring inflation, forcing it to pay more interest on its liabilities than it's earning from its assets. Tense moments in Alberta today when a series of earthquakes shook homes from Edmonton to Fort McMurray. There were also political tremors in the province, not just from the current premier, but also from the man she replaced. CTV's Alberta Bureau Chief Bill Fortier explains. When laws are passed here, the government here could soon ignore them. Ottawa is not our ruler. Ottawa is our partner. And it needs to begin acting like it. The Alberta sovereignty within a United Canada Act was tabled on the first day of the new session. The Premier insists it's not about separation, but it does give the Alberta government the power to direct provincial agencies, including police, not to enforce federal laws and policies if the UCP government believes they're unconstitutional or harmful to the province. We are finally telling the federal government, no more. It's time to stand up for Alberta. The Premier suggests the legislation will be used against federal laws around oil and gas development restrictions, emissions reductions and gun bans. A long and painful history of mistreatment and constitutional overreach from Ottawa has for decades caused tremendous frustration for Albertans. When the act is invoked, Cabinet will also have the extraordinary power to change provincial laws without debate in the legislature. Here they are going to give themselves the power to write uh, whatever laws they want behind closed doors and ram them through. The Sovereignty Act has been blasted by critics since it was proposed. Alberta First Nations chiefs have vocally opposed it and former Premier Jason 
Kenny spoke out firmly against it. Today, he issued a letter of resignation from the legislature. Law experts also weighing in. In my view, it's uh, it's trying to fix a problem uh, that doesn't uh, exist. We've got a system that says our independent courts make that call. I'm deeply concerned by what is the government of Alberta's um, attack on Canadian unity. The Prime Minister holding back on his critique for now. I'm just going to stay focused on the things that matter to Albertans, whether it's affordability, whether it's creating jobs, whether it's working, uh, working constructively to fight climate change. There have been suggestions the legality of the bill could be challenged. Today in a press release, the Alberta government asserted the act is likely to survive a court challenge. Omar. Bill Fortier in Edmonton tonight. Bill, thanks. Time for a short break, but when we come back. Canadians are going to look at this tab, be rightfully ticked off. The cost of a royal visit to Canada. Plus. It really does make you feel better. From humble to huge. Incredible acts on this Giving Tuesday. A controversial start today to the fall sitting of Quebec's National Assembly after three members of the Parti Québécois refused to swear an oath to the king. There shouldn't be any consequence for, only, for, for not uh, taking an oath to the king of England. Without it, the PQ members were barred from taking their seats in the legislature. The party leader says the oath is, quote, humiliating. Prince William and his wife Kate are on their way to North America tomorrow to attend a climate event in Boston. It's the Royals' first overseas trip since the death of Queen Elizabeth, and it comes as we're getting new insight into the cost taxpayers faced the last time an heir to the throne, who is now king, visited Canada. CTV's Annie Bergeron Oliver has more on the princely price tag. Canada sees more royal trips than any other Commonwealth country. But when Prince Charles, now King Charles, or his family visit, roughly every two and a half years, I'd like to introduce you both. The bill for their stay is up to taxpayers to pay. And in May alone, their three-day visit cost about $25,000 an hour. The reality is when you are a, a sovereign country, you are going to have visits by the family that is, you know, where's the crown? Access to information documents show the visit cost National Defence $568,000. That covered flights for the royal family, their staff and Canadian Armed Forces members taking part in ceremonies. The RCMP spent 361000 on overtime and travel expenses for members providing security. Canadian Heritage, 509000 on travel and hospitality, overtime and rapid tests. The Canadian Taxpayers Federation says $1.4 million is too much. Really? You couldn't do a three-day trip? And, and, and achieve some value for less than $1.4 million, that's, that's really hard to believe. Charles's spring visit to mark the Queen's Platinum Jubilee was a whirlwind. Going from Newfoundland to Ottawa and Yellowknife. It was also a tour taken on in the spirit of reconciliation, where meetings with Indigenous leaders and communities were prioritized. You know, he really liked these short visits that co combined a lot of things very, very quickly. He felt that they were more cost effective. The final bill, when it's available next year, is likely to be far higher than $1.4 That doesn't include costs covered by local governments and police forces. Annie Bergeron-Oliver, CTV News, Ottawa. And our website has the full documents detailing the cost breakdown of the royal visit. It's all at ctvnews.ca. 
Still ahead, volcano vigilance. A mesmerizing new glimpse of an epic eruption in Hawaii. The desperate plight of migrants seeking a better life in Europe was on full display in the Canary Islands. Three Nigerian stowaways were found clinging to the rudder of an oil tanker. They were on the ship for 11 days after leaving port in Nigeria. The men were treated at hospital for hypothermia and dehydration. There are fascinating new images tonight showing Hawaii's Mauna Loa volcano roaring to life. Fountains of lava shooting as high as 60 meters. The last time the volcano erupted, was nearly 40 years ago. After the break, the power of giving extraordinary acts of generosity right across Canada. After the buying frenzy of Black Friday and Cyber Monday, this was a day for donating. CTV's Chris Anajkate on the gains of this Giving Tuesday. With inflation making life increasingly difficult, the need to lend a hand on Giving Tuesday has never been more important. Volunteers at Add Some Shelter gave out free baked goods and hot chocolates to lift spirits. It's our way of giving thanks and it's called Share the Warmth. Kathy McNabb is collecting Christmas donations for women and children who are experiencing homelessness. She says children's toys, gift cards and pajamas are the perfect gifts for families in need. And if we don't get enough donations, we'll take it out of our money if we have to, to make sure it happens for each of our clients. Giving Tuesday started 10 years ago and now people in more than 80 countries are giving back. It's raising awareness of giving in general. So it's about celebrating generosity and giving in all forms. In Manitoba, the Winnipeg Foundation received the largest donation ever made to a Canadian charity by an individual. The late business owner and philanthropist Miriam Burgeon left $500 million in company shares. The part that makes this a little bit different, uh, which is pioneering for us, is that it is means that it's 100% ownership of a company. But charities are set up for this. In Thunder Bay, McKinnacoos Children's Fund is raising $20,000 for winter clothing for about 500 Indigenous youth in northern isolated communities. For the barrier to be a coat, I think that that is, is a pretty low bar that most Canadians can maybe get behind to support. Brittany has been homeless for three years in Edmonton and says the 1,700 meals a day provided by Hope Mission are a lifesaver for many. Just to get stability and have a warm place to sleep, there's lots of space here. Giving the gift of kindness, even in uncertain times. Krisanachkate, CTV News, Halifax. Great to see that spirit of generosity changing lives. And that is a snapshot of this Tuesday for all of us at CTV National News. Thank you for watching and see you tomorrow.